back, everybody. To another episode of the Vince August podcast. Opening up with Deck 3. A lot of people have been saying they can't hear the song, so I, I tried to mess with the volume a little bit today and the recording through my Zoom to give you more of that song. Uh, We're All Friends by Deck 3, which has been the intro, outro music um, specifically for the show. Um, so there's a little bit of that Deck 3 song. They're on iTunes, um, so look them up. Want to, first of all, thank everyone that helped the Vince August podcast leap all the way to number nine in the news and politics section on Potomatic, number 202 overall. And that's amongst a group of thousands of podcasts. Um, Last week, we got a a ton of feedback from everybody out there, um, all kinds of emails, messages, um, and please, guys, feel free to post your questions and comments either on the Podomatic site, uh, which is directly where you're listening. If you click on Podomatic for my Android users, you can download the app. Um, Apple people, you can listen on iTunes or Podomatic if you download the app. And if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe to the podcast and leave comments, um, positive or negative. If they're negative, make them constructive. I, you know, you suck doesn't help me. Um, so this way I can at least tailor the show to affect a wider range of people, a wider group of people. Um, address your questions as I do every week. Um, I do the best I can. If there are enough of the same questions, I will not do a shout out to a specific person. Um, so a lot of times if I say, here's one of your questions, it's because it came up four or five times. If there was one specific question that jumped out at me, I will address that question and address it to that individual person. Um, this week's podcast, I'm going to do hopefully two this week. Uh, and the theme is going to be the same. The theme is going to be personal responsibility. Um, today, what I wanted to get into was this uh, kind of a spin-off issue, a spin-off subject with regards to Ferguson. And it's basically, I find that there's a disconnect in this country between people in general, especially the youth, and authority. And when I say authority, I don't mean police officers. I mean all authority, parents, teachers, um, anybody in a position of authority, bosses, employers, managers. Uh, I, I think in general, there's a disconnect. Um, I take group exercise classes. It's amazing how the people in the class don't listen to the instructor on stage, um, who is a person, you know, speaking from a, a point of knowledge. They have information for you, but people are going to do what they want to regardless. And I want to get into that. With regards to the Ferguson issue, um, you know, a a lot of people that want to make this a black-white issue and say, well, Vince, you know, you're a a white male. You're coming from just that perspective. I found a a really great video that was going around, and it, it went very viral on social media, posted by Frederick Wilson II, and it's a five-minute 
video, and I'm going to actually play the entire audio clip. So this is Frederick Wilson II and his take on basically the the, the plight of the African-American in our society right now and, and their personal responsibility. And I love this, so I want to play this for everyone to listen. What's up, y'all? I know it's a pretty diverse group of people that's watching this, and that's cool, but this one's going out specifically to my black people. Now, I'm going to say this once. Yes, slavery was one of the most horrific things that ever happened in human history. Yes, racism still exists. It's probably always going to exist. Just get over that. And yes, there are law enforcement officers out there that take things too far, abuse their power. They're humans. We're a flawed species. With that being said, today we're going to talk about personal responsibility. Black people, it is 2014. Hate to break this to you. If your life is messed up, it ain't because of slavery. Your ass was never a slave. You probably ain't know nobody that was a slave. You probably don't know nobody that knew nobody that was a slave. Slavery ended a long time ago. Yes, it put us in a big hole in this country, but guess what? Dig your way out of it. Civil rights, about 50 years ago. We been, I don't know if y'all know, we won. We were like, Google it, we won. Yeah, it was a fight. They marched, they sat in. We won. So in 2014, if your life is messed up, look in the mirror, figure out what you're doing, what you're not doing, take some personal responsibility for yourselves, for your lives. I understand, you know, sometimes you can't help the hands you were dealt. You were born in, in the ghetto, in the projects, you were born in a bad situation, nothing you can do about that. But what you can do is do your best to get out of it. If you live in a messed up neighborhood, let, let me give you a little advice. Stop messing it up. Ain't no rich white man sneaking into the hood in the middle of the night, spray painting graffiti, peeing in hallways. George Bush ain't out in the neighborhoods selling crack on the corner. You know what I'm saying? If your neighborhood is messed up, it's because the people in the neighborhood continually mess it up. All this, oh, stop snitching after like, no, start snitching. Go out there, clean your neighborhood up, and then keep it clean. Somebody come through after y'all clean it up, messing up, snitch on them. Call the police. Y'all like to pull your little camera phones out and record little ignorance and put it on Worldstar? Pull your camera phones out and record crime, get that to the police so that way people can be prosecuted and we can stop this cycle. Teach your kids something. Guess what? Swag and George and everything like that, that's cute. But guess what? No, get you an education. Get an education, get a job, better yourself, better your situation. Let's talk about the police, police violence. Told y'all the other day, you know, stop bringing stuff upon yourself, be complicit. The little video of my man Powell that got shot in St. Louis. Why would you think it's a good idea to run up on two cops when they tell you to stop, put down whatever you got? I'm going to keep coming at them, then they're going to shoot me. Now it's black people, we're supposed to be mad. And, oh my God, oh my God, we need to go out there and march right. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. Stop doing crime. Here's the thing. Let's talk about Trayvon Martin for a second. Now, George Zimmerman had no, no business running off on that kid. And it's a shame that somebody lost their child. But the thing that nobody talked about with Trayvon Martin, in this day and age, why is it that when people see a young black man, the first thing they think of, what's he doing? Is he up to no good? He looks like trouble. You know why that is? Because that's our perception. Because that's the perception that we keep giving people. The way we act, the way we carry ourselves, the fact that how many young men out there have criminal records before they turn 18? How many men out there before they turn 25 have been incarcerated at least once? And then we want to talk about, oh, well, the justice system isn't fair, they come down hard on us. Okay, that may be true, but did you do it? 
just because they gave you more time than they might have gave the white person. If you hadn't done the crime in the first place, you wouldn't have got any time. So stop using that as a damn excuse. If you already know that they're going to come down hard on you, that's going to be even more of an incentive to stop doing crime. Stop being ignorant. Stop glorifying ignorance. This little rap lifestyle that we're looking at, Lil Wayne, all these rappers out there, that's not real life. That's the kind of life that leaves you dead or in jail. And it's a damn shame that in 2014, we are still talking about this. We are still talking about the same stuff that's been all in the Tyler Perry movies, all in the John Singletary movies that we was talking about back in the 90s, Boys in the Hood, Black on Black Crime, Stop Killing, Looting. We need to stop being ignorant, take some responsibilities for ourselves, change our perception, the way people see us in the world. You want the cops to stop messing with you? Stop giving them a reason to. You get pulled over for, B, for, for DWB, for those of y'all don't know, that's driving while black. Don't be mad at the cop. Be mad at the brothers that came before you to give the reputation to the black man for a cop seat. Hey, look, there's a car full of brothers. They're probably up to no good. Get to the point where when cops pull us over for nothing, they keep coming up empty. Eventually, they'll stop pulling us over. But right now, hey, there's a cop full of brothers. Let's pull them over. Oh, somebody got a word. Oh, somebody got a weapon. Oh, somebody got some drugs. So yeah, they're going to keep doing it. Why? Because it works. You go to the crap table, you roll the dice, you keep coming up with seven, you keep rolling the dice. You start crapping out, you'll stop rolling them damn dice. Stop giving the police, stop giving the, the public at large reasons to look at us like we're second-class citizens. We get looked at like that because a lot of us act like that. And it may not be the majority of us, but it's the perceived majority of us. Because it's the ones that you see out there on the World Star videos, on the internet, on Facebook, just acting ignorant, just acting like we don't have no damn sense. Like we don't have pride as a people. Have some pride in yourself. Take responsibility for your life. Everything is not somebody else's fault. Sometimes it's just you. Empire, I'm just saying. That's a video again I want to give credit. It's Frederick Wilson II, and on via Facebook, it has 415,000 shares. Um, that, that's a lot of shares for any video on social media. Um, I, I agree with just about everything that was said in that video. The, the only thing I take issue with is um, when Frederick talks about no one addressed the perception issue with Trayvon Martin. Why are, you know, what, why is the black person perceived in that type of manner? And it actually was addressed and it was addressed by Mark Cuban in an interview. And Mark Cuban said in an interview that if he saw a black male walking towards him with the hoodie, hoodie pulled up, he would cross the street and people lost their minds. And again, the politically correct uh, side of America went crazy on Mark Cuban. What the media did not do was play the rest of his answer when he talks about if I saw bald white dudes with tattoos all over their body, if he would cross the street and he said, yes, he would. And the point Mark Cuban was making there is, again, perception, how you hold yourself out. Um, I, I will tell you right now that I, I go through this a lot in my own personal life. And, and I always like to bring things back um, to my personal experiences so that, you know, I can say, hey, here's where I'm coming from. I have led a dual identity life for now the past we're, we're going almost on 18 years. And I had the Vince August side of my life, comedian, entertainer, and I have the Vince A. Sicari side of my life, which is the lawyer, six-year judge, now back to being a lawyer, 
teacher, potentially, you know, have an opportunity, maybe become a professor in a college. I dress for those jobs in two very different ways. Um, I do not go on stage in a suit. I never did. And there's two reasons for that. One, I want to be comfortable on stage. Two, my comedy does not lend itself to that type of visual. Um, it's it's a much more blue-collar, everyman, relating to everybody comedy. Um, when I warm up the Daily Show, I dress somewhere in between what I dress like on stage and when I go to court. When I sit in my office and I'm not seeing clients um, and I know no one's coming in, I, I work in sweatpants. I, I want to be com- com- very comfortable. Um, I work very casual in jeans. Um, it just allows me to work at, you know, in, in a more comfortable physicality, let's say. Um, when I go to court, it's suit all the time, obviously. Um, when I go to certain events, I dress appropriately for the event. My point is this. The way you present yourself in society is the way you will be perceived. No question about it. My reaction to some of what I saw with regards to Ferguson, right off the bat, I saw the family of Michael Brown waiting for the verdict, standing on the top of a car amongst all of the people in Ferguson, ready to protest and eventually, you know, some of the people rioted. If I was the Ferguson attorney, for the Brown family. If I was the attorney for the Brown family in Ferguson, I would have never let that perception of my clients be seen. I would have had them in the living room of their home, watching it on TV. If they, if you felt the need to put them on camera, I would have had the cameras in the living room of the home. I would have let their reaction be their reaction, not their reaction then get poked, prodded, um, incited by the reaction of the public around them. The other thing is, and, and I'm sorry, but this is a fact. When Michael Brown's stepfather jumped up on the hood of the car, pants hanging down, um, underpants showing, hat to the side, screaming, burn this bitch down, to me... That had an immediate effect on my perception of Michael Brown's upbringing and the influences in his life. I'm sorry, it did. And at that point, that's when I said, oh, now the version of the story that he approached the vehicle's car and reached into the vehicle and reached at the police officer yeah, you know, I, I got to tell you that now there's a little bit of credibility to that. Seeing his upbringing, seeing the influences in his life, everything is perception, people. It really is. Um, following off of the the audio I just played, I picked up on an interview Chris Rock did. And it, it's a great interview, and I'm going to cite where you can find it in one second. Uh, it's at vulture.com, and I'll give you the, 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 whole, the whole thing and where you could get the link. 
Um, but one of the questions was about his kids. And the question was, your own kids are all girls, right? Rock's answer, all girls. I mean, I almost cry every day. I drop my kids off and watch them in the school with all these mostly white kids. And I got to tell you, I drill them every day. Did anything happen today? Did anybody say anything? They look at me like I'm crazy. Question. And you think this change is generational? That maybe it has nothing to do with Obama? Answer. It's partly generational, but it's also my kids grew up not only with a black president, but with a black secretary of state, a black joint chief of staff, a black attorney general. My children are going to be the first black children in the history of America to actually have the benefit of the doubt of just being moral, intelligent people. And it's really a good interview. Um, it's by Frank Rich. You can get you can follow him on Twitter at Frank Rich NY. Um, it's in New York in conversation. Chris Rock, what's killing comedy? What's saving America is the article. And I'm looking at vulture.com. And this came out. I want to give you the date. Um, November 30, 2014. So this was actually yesterday. Um, so I, I found that article today as I wake up early every day and scour the Internet for news and came across that article, read it, loved it. Now, let's get into what all of this is setting up. Between the video of Frederick Wilson II, between the Chris Rock statement, this is all about dealing with authority, personal responsibility, and the choices people make. And specifically, the problem that we're facing in society today between members of society and authority. The first one I see this with is the parents. And I've gone over this in previous podcasts, and I'm not going to get into the whole parents, you're not friends with your kids thing. I've beat that horse to death. But more importantly, parents, stop being afraid of your children. And this is actually a thing out there. You know, I know someone, a, a personal friend who, you know, they have a kid who's going through um, a, a, a stage, I would guess, in her life. And she is very dependent upon her parents financially, very dependent. And because of where she is and some of the decisions she's made, she has cut off her parents from giving advice she's cut off her parents from social interaction with her but she has not cut off her parents from the finances that she needs to exist and enjoy the finer things in life and mind you this is a very spoiled young lady who enjoys a lot of the finer things in life because of the fact she has been raised with a silver spoon in her mouth. And the parents walk around this kid in fear. You know, we have to be very careful about the way we talk to her. You know, we don't want to upset her. She's very upset right now. We don't, we don't want to upset her anymore. You know, we feel eventually she'll come around. What, and it blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind, that reaction. And my response was, you're the one in control. She needs you. 
you want and love your child, you want them to be, be, be a part of your life, you love your child, but ultimately the dependency in this situation is she is dependent upon you. You are not dependent upon her other than emotionally, other than wanting a kid in your life. You're not dependent upon her. She can't do half, if not more, of the things she is doing in her life without you giving her the financial support to do it. So why are you so afraid of your kid? Why does your kid have such a hold on you that you can't control your kid, that your kid is walking all over you? And, you know, I know some people are going to hear this and say, oh, my God, I can't believe Vince is singling out, you know, a parent. I am not singling out this parent. I'm singling out this in, this one story that I heard and in, in, in conversation with this person. And I have to tell you, again, I'm not dropping names. And I said I started this podcast. I won't drop names when there's, there's a general sweeping amount of this going on. This is happening a lot. This is happening all over the place. Parents are afraid of their own kids. There's a fear of disconnect between parents and kids. I, I want to make sure that my kid talks to me. I want to make sure that there's an open line of communication. You want to really ensure that? Cut your kid off. You know what? Cut off the finances. Cut off the spoiling. Cut off the privileges and watch your kid come groveling back to you. Watch those lines of communication open immediately. Stop serving your kid. Stop being your kid's servant and trust me, your kid will not only talk to you, but they will listen to you at that point because they will have no choice. And it starts in the home. Everything starts in the home. All of the learned behaviors when these kids go out into society start in the home. So when I see a kid and, you know, you hear all the time, oh, I don't like kids. I don't like this. No, I don't blame the kid. I blame the parents in every situation. What a kid has become is a reflection of the parents, period, end of story. So what starts in the home, when I see a kid who does not respect their parents, when I see a kid who talks back to their parents, when I see a kid that disrespects their mother or father or both under any circumstance, any situation, I immediately say, that's a bad kid. That's a bad kid. That's a kid who is going to have challenges in life. That is a kid who better hope their parent is always there to win every battle. Because if not, that kid has no chance at succeeding in life until, until that kid meets a level of adversity that forces that kid into change. Because that's the only way that kid is going to change. It's got to be forced. And the force is some type of adversity in life which creates a need for change. Second, we talk about parents, then adults in general. And listen, I'm not saying all adults demand and require respect because there's a lot of people out there my age, 
older, slightly younger, that, again, are the product of that bad home situation and don't deserve respect. But in general, when I grew up in Hackensack, New Jersey, and I grew up 70s, 80s, there was a level of respect given to all adults. Now, see, the thing was, back in the 70s and 80s, you were raised by a community. See, back then, everybody knew everybody. All of the neighbors knew everyone. And if you screwed up as a kid, parents spoke to one another. And it was okay in the 70s and 80s where I grew up. I'm not, and this isn't for the entire country or the entire world listening. Please tell me if this is the same in your neighborhood. Because if it is, your neighborhood is a better place than the neighborhoods I'm seeing today. Parents would talk to each other, and it was okay for a neighbor to come to your parent and say, hey, little Johnny really screwed up today. Here's what little Johnny did. Hey, your son Vin, I saw him screwing around with his friends at the park doing X, Y, and Z. In that situation, the parent would go to the parent, and the parent who got the information about their kid would take care of it. I'm going to take it a step further, and this is, I know, going to offend my especially white audience and the, the, the politically correct and the privileged. In my neighborhood, it was okay for a neighbor, older neighbor, a friend's parent to put another kid that wasn't your kid in line. Now, I'm not saying physically. Take physical off the table. It was okay to yell at someone else's kid for being a screw-up, for doing something wrong. That was perfectly acceptable. So if I'm over a friend's house or if I'm two blocks away and I throw a rock at someone's house or did something wrong or whatever, ran onto someone's lawn and shouldn't have been or were playing in someone's yard and shouldn't have been, cut through someone's yard or jumped over a fence or whatever the situation may be. It was okay for someone else to yell at me, hey, don't do that. I'm going to tell your mother, you're screwing up. That was perfectly acceptable. For some reason in 2014, if a kid is doing something wrong, if my neighbor's kid is having a catch on my property and the bull hits my car and I go to my neighbor and say, hey, I'm talking about the neighbor's kid. Hey, don't have a catch in my yard if you can't catch the ball because you're going to hit my car, you're going to dent my car, you're going to break a window, and then there's going to be a problem. In this day and age, for whatever reason, the parent now comes next door and yells at me, don't ever yell at my kid. And then it becomes, no, keep your kid in line. I'll keep my kid in line. If you have a problem with my kid, come tell me. No, when I see a problem, I address it. This shouldn't go before a committee. And this is where we start, again, protecting the kid, defending the kid. The kid already has a lawyer. The kid already has his counsel. You have to go and approach the parent and explain to the parent. No, no, no. Sometimes, you know what? The parent's not around. Then now at the end of the day, I got to come find you. I got to search you out because you were unable to police your kid. You were unable to parent your kid. And now I have to take away from my day when you weren't around, when I could have addressed it at the time to bring it to your attention. The next level of this, schools, teachers. To me, we have put 
teachers in as precarious a possible position as they could possibly be in. Here is the problem with a teacher today. First of all, no one can do their job if they're walking on eggshells. No one can do their job effectively when walking on eggshells. People can do their job. I'm going to qualify my sentence. No one can do their job effectively if they are walking on eggshells. No one can do their job effectively if they constantly have someone looking over their shoulder. No one can do their job effectively if they're constantly worried about a parent coming to the school and complaining. The culture in schools have changed for the worse. Nowadays, if a teacher yells at a kid, the kid goes home, tells the parent, parent comes to the school, tells the principal, tells the superintendent. Then there's a meeting with the teacher, and it's, what happened? Kid was screwing off in class. I had to yell at the kid. You don't yell at my kid. Now my kid is traumatized by the fact that, no, 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 hold on a second. Wait, 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 wait. your kid's traumatized. No. Your kid is a screw-up. Your kid doesn't listen. Your kid is rude. Your kid is disruptive to everyone else in the classroom. Well, maybe you're not doing your job right, Miss Teacher. No, no, no. Your kid is the problem. But it always becomes about the teacher. And then they take the teacher aside, and then they say, okay, well, if this is a problem with this specific student, then we need to give this student special attention, special needs. Maybe this kid is crying out. Yeah, the kid's crying out. The kid's crying out for a beating. The kid's crying out for someone to go to that house and tell those parents, you don't know how to raise kids. But the, the, the script has been flipped, and the teacher is always the one called in to question. Now, I'm not saying there aren't bad teachers. There are bad teachers out there, like bad cops. But you know what? Let's look at the statistics, and let's look at the situation. Let's bring it back to Ferguson. I never heard of Ferguson, Missouri, before this incident. I got to be honest, and I've been to Missouri. I didn't know there was a Ferguson, Missouri, before this incident. If there was police brutality in Ferguson, Missouri, this is the first time it made national spotlight. Now, I'm not saying it didn't happen. This is the first time it made national attention. If it was such a problem in Ferguson before this time, why do we have Five white councilmen, a Republican mayor, voted into Ferguson. No one seemed to have a problem with the chief of police. No one was asking for his job before this shooting. And the same thing happens with teachers in schools. There's not a problem with the teacher until the teacher yells at a kid, and then the kid goes home and tells the parent, and then the parents come to the school. And listen, when I was a kid, if a teacher yelled at me, my reaction was, oh, my God, please don't tell my parents. Because the second level of yelling, the second level of discipline that would come from my parents after they found out from the teacher what I did in school would be so much worse that I would have begged my teacher, please don't tell my parents. This is now flipped. The script is flipped. And it's now teacher yell at kid, kid go home, tell parent, parent comes to school, complains to school, teacher is now in trouble. What the hell is going on? That's wrong. That's backwards. And again, I blame the parents. The parents, you're responsible. You're not raising your kids right. You're not. And because you don't raise your kid right at home, 
And we go back to my first example. We can't upset my daughter. We got to keep my daughter and we got to keep her happy. We got to give her what she needs. We have to make sure she's happy so eventually she comes back and talks to us. She communicates with us. We have to make we have to handle her with white gloves. No. See, when you do that, when you set that precedent, your kid will not have respect for any authority for the rest of her life all along the way. And that respect or lack thereof for authority will spill into every person she comes into contact with. He or she. Because that kid at that point will feel a sense of entitlement and I'm special. I'm different. Mommy and daddy know it. They treat me. I'm the the queen of the house. Or if it's a, a boy, I'm the king of the house. You can't have that. You can't have that. It's got to start in the house. So, again, the, the video, Frederick Wilson II, the answer, Chris Rock, parent, all girls. The, the view is really across the board, and it's not a black-white issue. This, is not, this podcast is not about police. It's not about it's, – it, it's about parents. It's about parents raising their kids right and kids having respect for authority and for parents and all authority, all people in a position of power, raising the kids in a communal effort. Teachers, parents, adults for the most part, police officers, bosses, managers, anybody, instructors in gyms. Yeah, let, let me get into this. My fiance is um, a group exercise instructor as well as a personal trainer. And she teaches a class to adults. And I've taken her morning class um, at the gym. She teaches a, a body pump class, which is part of a, a Les Mills group instruction. And she will make an announcement every class. There's 40 people taking her class. There's equipment all over the place. Do not put your equipment away. Before the class is finished. Now, the reason she's making that announcement is safety concerns. If you are carrying a bar through a crowd of people that has weights, or you're carrying weights in your hands through a crowd of people that are still in movement, and you're moving through them, weaving through them as the class gets that packed, if you drop something and it lands on a person, you've hurt that person. It creates liability for you. Liability for the gym, liability for the instructor. It's a safety issue. And unbelievable that she will make that announcement over and over, and somebody will always try to put their equipment away early. And you know why they're doing it? A couple of reasons. One, they're selfish. They don't care. They're going to do what they want to do. Again, they were raised wrong. The second reason They just got to get out of there early. They got to get that five-minute head start. And the amazing thing is that class is taught at a time, and I'm pretty familiar with a lot of people. These are stay-at-home wives or people that don't have to be at work anytime soon. So this is just them wanting to get out of there, wanting to get to their next thing. And in wanting to get to their next thing, they're going to put other people at harm, not listen to authority to do what they want, not follow instruction. And I love what Eileen does. She stops 
teaching. She stops teaching. And she says, we have to wait for this one person to put all her stuff away. And she will make the entire group suffer for that one person so that the group will then look at that one person and say, hey, your own selfish needs is costing me my time now. And that's what needs to be done. You know what? Enough people need to step up. Like Frederick Wilson said, you know what? Start reporting people. Start taking responsibility for what's going on around you. Don't sit back and do nothing. Like the adults in my community. Say something to the kid. Say something to the parents. Like the teachers in school. When a teacher comes to you, your kid's a screw-up. Accept the fact your kid might be a screw-up. Accept the fact that when your kid's not under your control because you're not giving them every single thing they ask for and they're in a situation where they can't get everything they ask for, that they take certain liberties. Your kid isn't spoiled everywhere they go the way you spoil your kid. And because of that, they act out. So this little monster you created acts like a monster when, when you're not around Only problem is not everyone kneels to your kid the way you do because this is what happens in society. I'm trying my best here to really drive home a point that we all have to be responsible and stop shifting blame. Stop making it about an issue that it's not. A lot of times the issue is In your own house. Look at yourself in the mirror. What did you do to create the situation that you're in? Partially, some of it is your fault somehow, some way. Sometimes it's your fault because you did a good deed that maybe you shouldn't have done. Listen, I'll tell you right now, as an attorney... I have people that owe me money that I have to chase to get the money I've earned. Their case is over, and I have to chase my money. And I put them on collection notices, and I have to bring them to court. And then I try to resolve it, and things get testy and ugly and everything else. And you know what? Partially, some of that is my fault. It's my fault in that situation for having a good heart. You know what? I should say screw it. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your situation is. You want to retain me? You pay me today. Period. End of story. I can't afford to give you the money today. Then I'm going to go to court on my own, and then I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to handle this case. Too bad. Too bad. You go out to dinner, you pay when the meal's done. Period. End of story. You drop off your clothes at the laundromat, you want them back, pay the bill. You don't have money, you don't get them back. So sometimes, you know what, even when you do a good deed, it's your fault. Good deed doers, when you extend that favor and your hand gets bit, when the hand that you're using to feed gets bit, you know what? Stop extending the hand to feed. And that's where we are. And I take my responsibility on certain issues when, again, You treat certain people too nice, that's what's going to happen. That's what you're going to get in return. So, again, personal responsibility 
I love the way Frederick Wilson II says it, personal responsibility. I love that phrase. Um, it, it, it's, it starts in the home and it, it trickles out. Second issue. Wow, th- this podcast went quick. Um, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to address some of the topics in the news and I'm going to save this next topic for another podcast. Um, second, well, we're going to get into some of the, the one of the mistakes I made in a previous podcast. Uh, I spoke about LeGarrette Blunt, who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers and walked off the field during the middle of a game because he was dissatisfied with the amount of touches he was getting and basically had a temper tantrum and said, I'm leaving, showered, waited on the team bus. Steelers said, you know what? We don't want your type of player on our team. And I sent an example out there to the parents. Not every kid gets to play, even on a professional level. Sometimes you're not part of the game plan. And I said, you know what? LeGarrette Blunt's career is effectively over in the NFL. And this was a troubled guy in college, blah, blah, blah. Well, I couldn't be any more wrong. I couldn't be any more wrong because LeGarrette Blunt was picked up by the New England Patriots, where he played last year. And he is headed most likely towards an AFC championship game or potentially a Super Bowl appearance if all goes well for the Patriots this year, which I hope it does. I'm not a Patriot fan. But I guess once again, in society, sometimes, you know what? Standing up for yourself and saying, I should get more than what I'm getting, sometimes it does work out. Sometimes it does. Sometimes people that just take liberties with the system you know what? It, it it comes back and it works for them, and I was dead wrong. Not only is LeGarrette Blunt still in the league, he's in the league in a big way because he's part of a team that is doing better than the team he was on. He actually scored a touchdown. I don't know if it was last game or the game before. He's getting important touches, so you know, my apologies to LeGarrette Blunt, and when I'm wrong, I always call myself out, and I'm calling myself out. My last uh, story for the week falls under the category of, boy, that karma. She's a real bitch. And this one was an unbelievably great story. Julie Bossman, B-O-S-M-A-N, and Campbell Robertson, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L, Robertson, R-O-B-E-R-T-S-O-N. And I'm spelling their names out for a specific reason. They released the address the street address for the officer that was involved in the Mike Brown shooting in Ferguson officer whose name I'm not going to state because I'm not going to follow suit with what they did. It's all over the internet. Look it up, educate yourself. They released that police officer's address. Now that police officer was put through a grand jury system is still under a federal investigation will probably be sued civilly. The police officer surrendered his badge, as I understand, will not be given any compensation. That officer will have to move, most likely find new employment, change a lot about his life. Rightfully so, unrightfully so. I've touched upon the grand jury. I thought he should have been indicted based upon our grand jury system. Again, listen to the previous podcast. Either our grand jury system is screwed up or the prosecutor screwed up one or the other. Under the current rules and current circumstances, again, I believe he should have been indicted based upon the information I have seen. Okay, just to make that clear. So 
while the officer is by no means an innocent party in all of this, and he will go through and, and still has to go through what he has to go through. Julie Bossman and Campbell Robertson, writers for the New York Times, release that officer's address, placing that officer directly into harm's way, putting his family at risk. Now, what the officer did on the officer's job, okay, should not affect the other people living in the officer's house. For example, if I go out and do something wrong, you shouldn't come and take it out on my fiance, her kids, my mother, the rest of my family. That shouldn't, my actions should not put the rest of my family at risk. I'm an adult responsible for my own actions. Okay. This officer's wife and kids are not responsible for how he was trained in an academy and how he enforces his job. They're, they don't train him. They don't prepare him for his police duties. Julie Bossman and Campbell Robertson put that officer's family at risk. They put him at risk even though he went through the court system. And the court system, which may be flawed, my opinion, still one of the best, came out with a decision. But Julie Bosman and Campbell Robertson didn't like the decision, so now they took it upon themselves to release his address and put him in harm's way. Well, guess what happened to Julie Bosman and Campbell Robertson? Somebody got a hold of their address and released their address to the public. And the public started taking liberties as well. And now they are being harassed at their home. And do you know who Julie Bossman called to try to rectify this situation and the harassment she's enduring? She called the police. The very entity she struck out against the entity she tried to make an example of because she does not like the way they handled this situation, she then found herself running to for cover, for aid, for assistance. And Michael Che does a great, great joke. He said he saw a protester once holding a sign that said, F the police. He said, I wanted to rob that person on principle just to see how dedicated they were to their beliefs. Meaning, when I start robbing this person, I wonder who they're going to scream for. Yeah, how dedicated are you to your cause? Again, when you take an action like that, man, karma can be rough. You want to release someone's personal address and their personal information? Okay, here's what that person's going through. Now it's done to you. Now you fear. Now you have reason to fear and feel what that person's feeling because of what you did to them. God, I love it when karma strikes. Man, that was a good one. That was a good victory for karma. Again, you know, this society is so angry. We're so upset. We're, we're so just, we, we can't wait to hurt someone. We can't wait to bring somebody down. We can't wait to make sure someone is punished. Well, you know what? See what happens when you do something like that? 
it comes right back at you. Um, guys, uh, again, loving the podcast, loving the feedback. Please share these podcasts. Direct people to them. If you like what you're listening, if it's making you think, um, spread the word. I am on Twitter, Vince August. I'm on Facebook. I have a fan page, Vince August. I'm building a website that will help direct all this. You can listen on Podomatic if you're listening now, obviously, on your Android, on your computer. I am also on iTunes, Podcasts, Vince August. Um, I, I didn't get to all the topics, so it looks like I'm going to be doing at least one more this week. Um, maybe with a couple of celebrity interviews and some lines from celebrity interviews I did just to add to this. Um, please spread the word. Vince August, episode 10 in the books. Thanks for listening, everybody.